Hello, and welcome to Six Figure Authors, the show that helps you take your writing career to the next level. I'm Lindsay Baroker, and I'm here with my two co-hosts. I'm Joe Lalo. And I'm Andrea Pearson. And the topic for today's show is going to be, we're going to talk about going exclusive with Amazon versus going wide and being having your eBooks available in all these stores and why you might want to do one or the other. And we're going to talk about first what we do and then kind of go over some of the advantages and disadvantages of both. And we are going to try to take a pretty neutral viewpoint and not urge you in either direction. Um, But at the end, we will kind of suggest who might consider which tactic with who the theoretically, hypothetically could be best for. And um, we're actually recording this on the night we're doing a live stream just to confuse you guys. So we are going to have to keep it to an hour. So if we run out of time, we will finish up. We're pr- planning to do a part two that invites you to ask questions uh, on Q, you know, Kindle Unlimited versus wide topics. So, and just a reminder before we jump in, when we talk about this, this is referring only to eBooks. You can be exclusive with Amazon and in Kindle Unlimited with your eBooks and also be wide with your paperbacks or your audiobooks if you opt out of being exclusive with ACX. So just keep that in mind. Uh, basically, we're just going to be talking about eBooks in this episode. Before we jump into all that good stuff, do you guys have any news that you would like to share? Um, Yeah, I do. Um, Okay. So I'm trying to figure out where I am in my notes here. <laughs> we're right at the top and I'm already lost. Um, Okay. So I finished my reader magnet last week. It was a lot of fun. There was a lot of kissing. (laughs) So I've now written two and a half books since the second week of January, which is really, really exciting. Um, because it's just been, it's just been such a crazy last couple of years. Um, it's been so much fun being productive again. Anyway. So I sent an email to one of my lists asking for volunteers to read book one and give me feedback since it's a genre I've only written three books in. And so far I've had a bunch of people respond and give feedback and it's been positive, uh, which is great because I haven't used that list in years and I kind of want to wake it up, you know, um, I'm hoping I'll have a few unsubscribes too, just to get rid of the excess weight. Anyway, so I'm back to writing the second book in the series and I hope to have that finished before Nolan and I go to Hawaii in a week. Um, so something that is part of my tw- goals for 2021, and I'm kind of wanting to update on those goals here and there throughout the, um, throughout the year, just to help me remember the goals that I made. And so that it's not just like a one episode thing. And then, Oh, at the end of the year, we're like, Oh crap, dang it guys. I didn't do anything. Um, okay. So getting up and out of bed first thing in the morning, rather than relaxing there and hoping to fully wake up as I browse random apps on my phone, (coughs) real estate apps. (laughs) Um, I find it difficult to actually get up and get a move on. And I know I'm not the only one. So the temptation, I mean, it's real, you know, to sit in bed and waste time. It really is real. So what I'm going to do is put an alarm clock across the room and have it go off at the same time every morning, regardless of what time I went to bed, forcing me to get up and turn it off. And I mean, I had to do that when I was in high school, all the way through college, my body was not programmed to wake up at a certain time yet. And I, I would sleep through three, four, five alarm clocks. I slept through fire alarms. And I mean, my brain just would not wake up for anything. Um, anyway, so my voice is still shot from over dictating, but I've figured out how to get around that. Anyway, so I've got an app blocker installed on my phone. So I'll make sure that's running when I wake up. My biggest goal is to make sure I'm not losing the opportunity to do book work now that we do have a nanny. Anyway, so where listeners are concerned, how this applies to you, you know, um, get, if getting out of bed is, um, a struggle for you, do something like this, you know, make sure there's an external motivator to get you moving rather than relying on internal motivations, especially if your internal motivations are borked. Um, external things can help you get back into good habits. And that's pretty much all I have on my brain this week. All right. 
I will say that it's a lot easier if you get up at the same time every day. I know we talked about this on another episode than if you do the thing where you sleep late on the weekends. I know our weekends are, but I always had a hard time. Like once you do it every day, you kind of wake up anyway, whether your alarm goes off. So hopefully that will work out well for you. Uh, for my news, I think I mentioned this last time. I'm working on kind of a in-between novel before writing the next epic fantasy. I mentioned that the 150,000 odd words is kind of a beast. So I wanted to do something short and fun. Uh, strangely enough, it's more complicated than I had planned because it's set in my star kingdom universe that already has nine books and a whole bunch of characters. And I'm doing new characters so I could write a standalone story and strangers, <laughs> new readers could jump into it without having read the previous series. But of course I want to bring in all the other characters for uh, little cameos and they're ending up being more involved than I planned. So my easy story is not so easy. It is shorter than 150,000 words though. And um, what I'm going to do is try to make it so this can hopefully have a, you know, try to give it a good launch and hopefully people will, it will lead people into the existing series that now that it's complete, you know, they tend to stop selling as well. That's one I've never had a huge amount of luck with, with advertising. So I don't think I even have anything running for it right now. And I'm thinking about making a trilogy just because those box up so nicely and you can sell them for $9.99 and it's a little bit of a bargain. But if you are in Kindle Unlimited and do the like $2.99 or $0.99 cent things, you still, you get a bunch of uh, page reads. So that's good, but it's not like you're giving away an entire eight book box set, which I see, which I occasionally see though. Those are usually shorter books, but if I did that, I'd be like over the 3000 page max. So there'd be no point in uh, doing a whole series for me, but yeah, so that's what I'm thinking. I'm trying to like do something fun, but also make it as like, yes, this could potentially lead people into a series. that's already complete and uh, sales have fallen off on. All right. For me, um, I took a couple of days to deal with a Patreon story for this, uh, for this month. Uh, I usually have a pipeline full of them, but I let that lapse. Uh, so now I'm doing them month to month, but it only takes like two days to do a, uh, a Patreon story for me. Uh, I also took that time to, um, re, re come up, re outline the revised version of the next epic fantasy, because as you recall, uh, it came up short. Uh, but I have had a, a tremendous amount of problem with distraction lately. Uh, primarily because, and I can, I now have the resolution to this so I can tell the whole story. I was having like severe chest pain for an entire week, uh, right, right on the left side of the chest, which is an interesting place to be having chest pain. Um, so I went to the, well, I didn't go, I did a telemedicine appointment, which you'd think wouldn't be sufficient, but it turns out that is, uh, that was not cardiac pain. That was acid reflux that was causing all sorts of nerve issues. So they gave me basically just over the, the over the counter antacids and, uh, the pain went away. So uh, good news. The ticker is not malfunctioning. Uh, but spending an entire week thinking that it was, was oddly enough, the kind of thing that kicks up the stomach acid and makes it worse. So now that I know I'm okay, I'm back on track. I did my 3000 words today for the first time in a week. Uh, and I also, uh, you know, completely separate from all of this, I had my two, my, my, my three deadlines for this year moved up by two weeks, uh, because I can get my stuff done two weeks early. And the editor asked if I, if, uh, if I was willing to, so that makes this first deadline, not a problem, but the second deadline, the one that, that's going to be coming up in the middle of the summer, it's going to be a little bit harder to meet. So I'm going to have to really buckle down during the summer, but that's where I stand right now. 
We're glad you are not going to have a heart attack if our debate gets a little too vigorous on KU versus wide. <laughs> and I feel you. I've had that <laughs> like 20 years ago and it still goes that way. Um, in my case, I had to give up gluten and dairy. I was quite, had become quite intolerant to them. So they caused a lot of that, those issues. And yeah, it's like you're sitting there wondering if you're going to die and you can't sleep because you're just like, it's worse when you lay down and it's, it's super fun to have health issues, guys. If you don't have any, be glad. <laughs> On that note, let's transition into subtly. That was a smooth transition from heart attacks to KU versus wide. Um, we'll talk about our experiences before we kind of jump into the pros and cons. And you'll see that we've all done a little bit of both. So that's why I think we can be fairly neutral and be very open to like whatever you guys choose. That's fine. We're not going to try to sway you one way or the other. Uh, so in, from my experience, I'm hybrid with this in that at any given time of probably at least 80% of my catalog is available in all the stores. But I do put new releases into Amazon exclusivity and I usually leave them there until the series is complete and I've done some box sets. And so lately it's been close to two years. This absolutely makes for some unhappy YID readers. And it's why I also do the Patreon as a way to release things early. I basically publish them there to my Patreon subscribers before they go up on Amazon and into Amazon's exclusivity. So it's for those that are willing to buy the books that way. It's not perfect because you get people that find out halfway through the series. And because I have to follow the rules of being exclusive with Amazon means they can't also buy them, buy them, you know, quotes on Patreon. I have to limit, like I have to take down the books. I, I use BookFunnel and I just expire the links once they are, are wide, um, once they are exclusive with Amazon. So it's not perfect situation, but why do I bother doing this? I resisted exclusivity for the first couple of years when KDP Select became a thing. And even though I saw that it could be advantageous for some authors and Kindle Unlimited came along and I saw that my new releases never seemed to really stick in the rankings. You know, I, I'd sell to my fans, but then things would drop off pretty quickly. So I first tried Kindle Unlimited with my pen name because the pen name had no fans. I was doing it anonymously, not trying to get any of my regular readers to uh, buy them. So there's nobody like distressed they couldn't get the books and um yeah i found pretty quickly that it was definitely easier to get borrows than sales uh, and in getting borrows it helped your sales ranking because uh amazon counts those equally borrows and sales and as far as figuring out your place on the bestseller list uh, and that can help you a lot with organic discovery and i've just found that uh things stick for me a lot more easily uh, and in 2016 when i did my first sci-fi series under my name not under my pen name i decided i was starting something new and i would give it a shot and um honestly i made so much more money that year that i just started releasing everything that way and four years later almost five years later i'm still doing that and like i said it was such a jump in money that like i, I knew every Everything that there was about wide. I'd been wide for six years at that point. And uh, so it's not like I was, I don't know which one would be better for me. I was able to see very dramatically which worked better for me as someone who did already have a readership and a fan base. So that series um, and others, I've, I've since moved wide, but I, I, like I said, I'm still putting out new series. I usually have a couple, the most couple recent series at any given time in KU. And I wait till it's done because 
you don't want to be in a situation where like half of your stuff is KU, half is wide, or you took everything wide, but then you still have new books coming out and you're like, well, I can't put those in KU probably because like I said, it, it doesn't really work that well. You get the readers that are <laughs> get, want everything in KU or um, that are wide and want everything available in all the stores. Uh, we'll pass it on to Andrea to talk about. Yep. Um, okay. So I've gone in and out of KU several times like over and over and over guys. They love that. Just kidding. Uh, never with the same series. The retailers hate that. So don't do that. But, um, some, some series I've launched wide others. I launched into KU currently. I'm kind of the opposite of Lindsay. Um, 80% of what I have is available in KU. The rest is wide and available as free downloads. So I tried out Kindle limited when it first launched and it did not do well for me. Um, I kept my books there for two years, just in case, because <laughs> I just, I'm like, I'm going to make sure it works, Then I moved them wide. Um, my Mosaic Chronicles was launched wide and some months Kobo got me as much money as Amazon. Uh, they featured me a ton in the beginning. I had a merchandiser there. It was really, really fantastic. Um, I didn't use Kindle Unlimited, Unlimited at all for about three years. And then in 2017, I relaunched my Colonial Chronicles as new books, putting them directly into Kindle Unlimited. Uh, and I was very happy with the results. So, and I went back and forth at this point, like, do I put my Mosaic Chronicles in there? Do I not? What do I do? I mean, they've never been there. They're my best selling series. Like what? Yeah. So I just went back and forth on that a lot. Um, my next two series were launched directly into Kindle Unlimited and did fairly decently, not as well as I'd hoped, but still pretty well. Um, and then my Midnight Chronicles, I launched wide. And at the end of 2019, I put all of my novels from being wide. Sorry, I pulled all of my novels from being wide and put everything except shorter works into Kindle Unlimited. And that was, um, I don't know. So um, I'll get to that part in just a bit. But the shorter stuff I made free because I'm like, nobody buys it anyway, so I might as well, right? Um, anyway, so that, that time in my life was really, really stressful. And uh, it was just, it just made sense to, to simplify things a lot more than what I had done. And I just did something to my computer. Are you guys still there? <laughs> I can't see anything. Yep. Keep yes. going. <laughs> okay. Cause I'm like, I don't know what I just did, but something just changed. <laughs> anyway, uh, I'm trying to find where my document went. There it is. Okay. Anyway. So, um, so my life was super stressful. Like I was saying at that time, and I, um, I wasn't able to dedicate as much time as I wanted to the other retailers. And so it made sense putting everything into Kindle Unlimited, all my big stuff. I hadn't launched anything in a long time and everything was pretty much dying. Um, because my Mosaic Chronicles had never been in Kindle Unlimited, I wanted to see how it would do. And like I said, I went back and forth on that for like like three or four years trying to decide if like what I wanted to do. Um, I stuck everything in Kindle Unlimited and I've, I've been very, very pleased with the results. Um, anyway, I'm looking forward to going wide again though, because I haven't been able to launch anything in so long. My, my little you know, that little tell that you get when you put something new in Kindle Unlimited has died. And, um, I really can't wait to be able to work with my Smashwords merchandiser, especially, but, um, I promised him I wouldn't be going wide again for a few years. And I'm definitely holding to that. And besides things are still kind of crazy right now. I mean, my toddler is like a newborn all the time. He wakes up all the time still. And, um, Anyway, so I'm just right now, I'm just focusing on getting my life back in order. I'm focusing on enjoying writing again and not stressing about royalties, just enjoying the writing, which is kind of where I needed to go again after everything that happened with our health problems and my last series um, bombing. As for me, uh, I am primarily wide. Uh, it started that way, and all along, I have uh, I've seldom seen my wide income dip below 25% of my total income. This year, 
it was uh, closer to 60% of my total income. But that was primarily because uh, I have seen an overall decrease in income and Amazon decreased much faster than, than wide for me. Uh, I have done some minor experimentation in KU. Uh, I had two one-off stories that started in KU uh, and you know stayed there until I saw a trail off in income from them. And also my Shards of Shadow uh, urban fantasy series is still in KU right now. Because I never built up the specific skills to push KU books and because of some other stuff, which we've gone over several times on the show, it didn't do quite as well for me as it might have. Um, but we're probably going to be, I'm, I'm going to be messing with that later this year, assuming I have time to add some more books to it. Uh, that said, I'm due to, uh, to do a fresh push on, on the KU stuff. Uh, and I'm planning to move to a hybrid approach. Uh, similar to Lindsay, starting with the new epic fantasy I'm working on now. I'm going to be releasing it, not super rapid release. I'm going to release three of them in a year, uh, one after the other, but they're going to start off in, in KU. And uh, similarly, I'm going to do Patreon. I have got a fairly well-developed Patreon now, and I'll be using that for the early releases for my wide fans who don't want to pick it up on Amazon. So that's going to be, that's my present and future uh, KU strategy. Yeah, you're kind of the least least KU among us. Yep. I guess Andrea is the most with a eighty percent, and but I all my new release stuff is in there, so it's a pretty big commitment too. So you're our most almost purely wide person. <laughs> uh, all right, well let's jump into what is the advantages of Amazon exclusivity slash Kindle Unlimited, since these are intertwined. You can't be in KU without being exclusive. Then we'll do the disadvantages slash challenges and then same for wide we'll go through those um i'll just go ahead and read like my first four here and then you guys can discuss if you want to chime in or disagree i think we have some stuff in here we might uh, disagree with each other um but for for me starting at advantages of it uh exclusive are that like i said before in my other part borrows count as equal to sales when it comes to amazon bestseller bestseller rankings and since borrows are naturally easier to come by uh, these books are basically free for people with their ten dollar monthly subscription it can be easier to stick in your categories and get more organic reach and just get more at a We'll talk more about advertising. I guess I'll talk about advertising in my next one. <laughs> you may find that, like, I've certainly found that it's easier for advertising to work, especially Amazon ads, because, like I said, a borrow is a win too, assuming that they read the book and assuming it's a long enough book that you're getting a decent amount uh, for a full read. Uh, you know, I told you I have a lot of, I mean, not a lot, but I have anywhere from like 80 to 150,000 words for me. I don't write really anything that's super short, very rarely. And if I do it, it's usually a newsletter bonus instead of going into KU. So advertising tends to be a little easier to uh, come out ahead. Uh, also, you have access to Kindle countdown deals and the quarterly free days. Um, I'm not super like, <laughs> sometimes I don't really remember to use these. I usually pop in once a quarter and do a couple of things. This was like what KDP Select originally was before Kindle Unlimited. This was all you got for being exclusive. And I was like, no, nah, pass. Um, the main thing with the Kindle countdown deal that's a perk is that you get the 70% royalty even on a 99 cent book if it's counted, if it's in the countdown deal. And then there's the quarterly free days you can have some free days without doing the whole workaround where when you're wide, you have to have your books free in all the other stores. Amazon's bots have to be go out there and see it. And then they price match to free in Amazon. And it's not easy to turn that on and off. It usually like, well, this is gonna be my quarter that I'm free or <laughs> my year. You know, it can take a couple of weeks at least to get it turned on and off. 
And then for writers of long books or people who like to do bundles, like I talked about, uh, like a trilogy or a complete five to four book series or something, a full KU read might actually make you more money than a sale, assuming you're pricing it like $3.99 or $4.99. I remember I figured it out when I had my Heritage of Power series in KU. It was $0.99 cents to buy all five books, which is like, that's lame, right? <laughs> Although it also led people into another series. But if I got a full KU page read, it was over $10. So, um, so those are my first four. Do you guys want to discuss that at all? Any of those before jumping into Andrea's? I think uh, I think this first batch is, is pretty straightforward. Uh, I will say that it's it's interesting to me that um, you know rapid release is something that, that particularly people talk about as effectiveness on Amazon, but also long books are really effective in this case, as you said. So it's it it feels it feels like we're being pushed to write long books very quickly, which is extremely hard to do. <laughs> Or just keep them selling. If like you know, that's kind of what I'm hoping with the epic fantasy is like, well, maybe it'll to be easier to sell. I don't know if that's the case, but it seems a little less competitive than urban fantasy. Um, but long books are good overall, which is funny because writers want to go shorter because it's easier and uh, perfectly understandable. I like short things too, but I know Mark Coker on Smashwords has looked at his data every year and it mentioned a number of times that the bestsellers over there tend to be the books over a hundred thousand words, no matter what the genre. So it's, you know, I don't think you should artificially fluff books up, but if you tend to write long, uh, it can be an advantage in KU. Uh, all right. Passing it to Andrea. Um, yeah, um, artificially fluffing books, man. A lot of the New York Times bestselling books, like so much. Harry Potter seven. <laughs> anyway, I didn't mention that on air, <laughs> on air, whatever we're doing right now. <laughs> anyway, um, I agree. Like I'm uh, okay. Kindle countdown deals and the free days. I'm I'm with Lindsay. I very rarely take advantage of those, but when I do, I really, really am grateful for them because. Kindle Unlimited, like it, it adds an extra little boost. I don't know what they do on their end, but it does add a little bit of a boost. Um, okay. So is okay if I go on to mine? Yes. I'm getting nods of, um, of affirmation, whatever. <laughs> okay. So, um, the things that I put down for, uh, being advantageous about Kindle Unlimited is you get to take advantage of the new release bump that Amazon gives all books, but a lot of it goes to Kindle Unlimited books, which is kind of unfair, but you know, it is their platform. Some readers also, this is the next thing. Some readers read via Kindle Unlimited first and then buy that's happened to me multiple times. Like if they really, really like the book, then they pay for it more than once. And I really appreciate that. Um, obviously I'm not expecting them to do it, but that's Kindle Unlimited, hardcore Kindle Unlimited readers. They're like, this was a great book. I read it in Kindle Unlimited and then they buy it. So uh, two payments for one book is nice. Don't expect it, but it can happen. Okay. Amazon does marketing behind the scenes that makes Kindle Unlimited books be more visible than other books. And again, a lot of people don't agree with this, but I've seen it myself with my own books. And I don't know, like, I know we talk about it a little bit later, at least I do. Um, I don't remember where, but categories, yeah, we can get into that later. So a lot of, a lot of books do get a nice boost from Kindle Unlimited and from Amazon. Okay. Then Amazon puts a tag on every Kindle Unlimited, that book that draws the eye. So it's like read for free and Kindle Unlimited or just Kindle Unlimited, whatever it is right above the book and reader Kindle Unlimited, re, Kindle Unlimited readers are more, more likely to grab a KU book than they are a paid one based on that tag. If it comes down to two unknown authors and it just, it draws the eye a little bit more. And if they're like, Hmm, well, this one's in Kindle Unlimited. This one's not, I like both covers. We're going to go to the one that's Kindle Unlimited. So, um, 
anyway, that could be also like, are, is that, are, are they even in your already audience? There's a lot that goes into that, but I'm going to let you guys decide what you want to talk about what I just mentioned. <laughs> well, I'm not sure if I agree. There's a new release bump for Kindle Unlimited. I think that people tend to think that because they have a ton of fans that are in KU and on release day, they go and borrow it. So that gives it a bump. So in that sense, there is, you have to have the fans though, right? It's not like Amazon is just magically going to make sell your book. Um, well, I mean, my books that I've released into Kindle Unlimited have done better than the ones I've released wide. And there's like, like only a month or two difference. And so I, that was just what I've noticed for myself, which it might not be accurate, but like, well, I think that you just get more purchase or you get more borrows because like I said, it's a free book for them. Whereas if they're looking yeah. and going like, yeah, four ninety nine, I don't know this author or, you know, 99 cents even. So I agree in that sense. Mm -hmm. Are you saying, so did they decide that when people add it to their library, it gives you a bump in money immediately? Because I, I won't, I don't usually get Kindle unlimited pages read for a, new, a little while on new books. Right. There's usually a delay from what I've noticed. I mean, I'll get some the first day, but it's sort of like, you're pretty sure a lot more people are reading it than actually show up, but you mm -hmm. get this, you get the boost in sales rank right away. Oh yeah. That's yeah. instantaneous. Yeah. They don't have to start reading it. I know I've had ones where I'm getting reads for books that have been out of KU for like a year, <laughs> just had it on their Kindle and never opened it or whatever. Um, and the other thing I wanted to comment on your, you know, I agree that, um, because I think even David Gogren has talked about this in some of his talks where he got Kindle Unlimited and he noticed that all of a sudden Amazon was recommending KU books to him because that's what they want to get you into KU. And then they want, if you're in KU, they want to give you what you want, what you signed up for. So they're just more likely, it's, that's what he said. I, I, I was in KU once and I mean, as a, you know, I kind of did the free trial, but I didn't look that closely. But um, so that makes sense that they would recommend, be more likely to recommend stuff that's included to their subscribers to make them happy. Uh, did you have any thoughts there, Joe? Sure. Um, I just, when you talk about putting the tag on there that says, uh, you know, KU, it's funny that, um, like they've also put a tag when you're a bestseller and I feel like we're, they're sort of, they're, they're tr they've trained Amazon's trained uh, purchasers that if there is a little boop that they stuck on there, then it's something significant that you should pay attention to. So I definitely think that the, uh, the K, you know, Kindle unlimited flag is something that will draw the eye and draw the interest just because, you know, pieces of flair mean that it's something special here on Amazon. Uh, as for mine, I, I'm going to say that uh, Amazon Ads is an example. I'm sure there are others. But when there are new feature opportunities that are rolled out to Amazon, it seems like KU authors typically get them first. Uh, so that can be very useful if you're, if you're an early adopter. Uh, we all know that a, uh, a new feature tends to have its biggest impact early on. So if the, it gets beta tested on Kindle Unlimited authors, then they're going to get the absolute undiluted uh, you know, main line of its effect. And then as it gets spread out, it will just, you know, by the law of averages, become less effective for the people that it goes to. So if you want to be bleeding edge on new, on new features, chances are you're going to get a better shot at that if you are a KU author. Also, exclusivity to a single ecosystem means you can refine your advertising tactics to those that work best there. You know, if you, if you only sell on Amazon, you only have to learn how to sell on Amazon. And that really uh, uh, simplifies things. And similarly, uh, it, if you just one source of income, collecting and assessing sales data is so much easier because you can just very quickly judge what tactics are working best for you. Um, 
Amazon has, uh, because of the off-level, off-label use of uh, affiliate codes, Amazon's one of the only places where you can directly associate a click on any sort of promotion with a sale. So you can get much better uh, uh, information about, about you know, how effective a promotion is. And uh, also their reporting is close to real time on a lot of this stuff. So just overall, it makes uh, assessing return on investment and stuff much easier if you are Amazon exclusive. Not that all of those are only available for you through Amazon exclusive, but you are, if you are exclusive, then that will represent all of your income for eBooks. And, you know, just makes it a lot easier to make your decisions. Right. I, uh, I know that the, some of the other guys have affiliate programs, but I like, I know I signed up for the Apple one at one point and I never got any money. <laughs> so I was like, I just feel like I'm, I'm not sure about this. That was a few years ago. Could be a lot better. I don't know. But, um, Amazon has had the affiliate program since like the late nineties. I've been in it since the late nineties, which is yeah, showing the age there. Um, I did want to say too that I didn't put it as an advantage because I had don't have proof, but I feel like as far as getting invited to like Kindle daily deals or putting you in prime and things like that, like I have occasionally gotten the deals on non KU books. So I don't want to say they don't do uh, wide books, but I feel like it's usually my books that happen to be in Kindle Unlimited that are more likely to get picked for like prime reading or, uh, you know, one of their, they have a number of deals that they will sign you up for. Um, all right, Andrew, Andrew, did you have any more thoughts on Joe's stuff before we go to the next, I guess we'll call it a category, the disadvantages? Yeah. Um, no, I agree. I love his comments about, you know, I mean, being able to fine tune your system. Um, yeah, that's one of the reasons I recommend new authors go to Amazon, you know, early is just because you can learn it and learn their, their system a lot more quickly. All right, now we will discuss some of the disadvantages or challenges of being exclusive with Amazon. First, uh, kind of obvious, you are relying on one store for your income. And even though it is rare, every now and then Amazon goes on like a witch hunt and kicks out some authors. You know, usually it's, it seems from the outside that these authors are doing something sketchy and brought it on themselves. But I've also heard stories of people that got kicked out and um, weren't doing anything wrong. And then eventually they got their accounts reinstated, but how freaked out would you be if that's your only income, you know, in that time? Um, also you're, you're very reliant on Amazon and its whims and they do have whims. <laughs> They've been known to tweak their algorithms, change how Kindle Unlimited works. We have had 1.0, 2.0, the original Kindle Unlimited, you got paid basically, what was it? A flat rate if they got to 10% in the book. And so it didn't matter how long the book was in that program. Um, you know, they rearrange things in their stores or always tweaking with their website. And it seems like at least two, three, four times a year, you go on the author forums and Facebook groups and like something's happened. The also bots are gone or, you know, something has changed and somebody's income has drastically been cut down or a lot of people's. So you just feel a little more, maybe a little more freaked out by, by things like that. Um, also, if you tend to write short, you don't write those hundred thousand word books. You're not going to make very much from full reads. Like, you know, if you're writing like 40, 50,000 word novels, you're going to make a lot more by selling them at 399 or 499, whatever is your price point that you do. And also some people feel that relying on subscribers means that you're going to make less in the long run and you're teaching people to expect that your work be inexpensive or free essentially with their subscription. Um, 
you know, I, I hear this a lot where people say like, oh, you're only getting KU people if you're in KU and, and they're not buyers. I personally find that when I get more borrows, I'm also getting more sales too. So I'm not sure I agree with this one, but I, I wanted to throw it out there. Uh, so some people feel strongly about that. Finally, for me, you're kind of basically an Amazon contractor at this point, more than, I don't want to say a real publisher. You're still a real publisher, but it's a little different than when you're exclusive to them. You're essentially just writing books for Amazon, um, and you might as well be working for them. Of course, you can take, nothing's permanent. You can choose to go wide later, or, you know, if at any point it becomes less worth it to you, you can change your mind. It's not like you're signed up for life, but that's kind of how I feel. You're kind of working for Amazon. And like I said, if it works out for you, maybe that's fine. Maybe you want to make more money or not to say everybody will necessarily make more money. Lots don't. So it, it's kind of something everybody has to experiment with. Do you guys have any thoughts on that before next person um, goes? <laughs> yeah. I, I uh, particularly your first point about how you're relying upon one store for income. Like I had said in the previous section, how you can get really good at that one store. But as you say, if they tweak something that you have been absolutely relying on, like I, we, both of us got our start to, to a degree by having free books during a time when free books were extremely popular with just like regular blogs. And if I had not, if we had not adapted past that point, uh, once they made that change that suddenly made free books no longer a thing that was freely advertised by tons of blogs, we would have collapsed. So I definitely agree that when you're reliant on one store, uh, if the ecosystem changes, you can go extinct. Yeah. And I'm going to just comment on the algorithm thing. Like it's really frustrating when Amazon changes their algorithms. Like you finally get something down and then they change it. And it's like the rugs been pulled out from under you and it just makes targeting and ads and all that a lot harder. And they're like, well, we promise it's better. <laughs> like If it were better then why do I feel so awful? <laughs> anyway, so I'm going to go ahead and go on with mine then. Um, if you're okay, so my first thing is if you're not releasing frequently enough, it can be difficult for it to be worth it. And, um, so like with me, for example, I never release more than four books a year, sometimes six books a year. And it just, it's not always, it hasn't always been absolutely fantastic because, um, Kindle limited readers are more voracious. Um, okay. So events that come along that require your books to be available on other platforms aren't possible. So I think I'm going to talk about this right here. Um, there's a little publishing company that's been talked about over the last year, a couple times in our Facebook group. And they approached me as, as well as everybody else. And they're like, we want your books on our platform and we'll give you money to do it. Right. Of course you still retain all the ownership, but my books are in Kindle Unlimited. And I was like, I was like, if I'm pulling them out of Kindle Unlimited, I need you to give me a lot more money than you're offering to make up for the difference in pages read. And so, um, it's, um, not always, I don't know. It's like, I would say it's frustrating because you have to wait until your books are out of Kindle Unlimited, which can take a little while. And like things come up like Story Bundle, for example, you know, if you want to have your book be in Story Bundle, you can't be in Kindle Unlimited. And so, and that Story Bundle has been fantastic opportunities for me. I've, I've absolutely loved the ones that I've been in and it's been really great. But if I was in Kindle Unlimited, I wouldn't have been able to participate in that. Um, BookBub features aren't as easy to get. I've been accepted by BookBub like I was getting accepted probably every quarter until I put all my books in Kindle Unlimited. And now I have one, my Kalani Chronicles, which is still wide, is the only thing that gets accepted anymore. And they never turned down my Mosaic Chronicles before. And so I'm like, I don't know, guys, you know, that's really frustrating. I love my BookBub features. Um, so my next point is you're reaching a lot of readers, but not all readers. So 
I kind of have mixed feelings about this because Kindle Unlimited is kind of like a secondary retailer, but there's all these other retailers too that you're ignoring. So you're reaching readers who you wouldn't reach otherwise, but you're also missing out on a lot of people who refuse to use Amazon. And then my last point is you can't give away books for any reason other than as ARC copies. So you want to bribe someone on your list with a book in Kindle Unlimited, that's against the rules. Um, do you want to give away a copy of the book to a winner? Again, again, against the rules. You want to sell direct readers? You can't. You can't give away a book for anything unless it's for a review. And that's, I mean, you can give away percentages of it and you can give away pictures of it and the cover of it, but you can't give away it itself unless it's for a review. Yeah, I think you can only give away 10% uh, of a book that's in KU and they are, they police it. Boy, do they police it. Um, not necessarily they're going to find it if you do it for a newsletter, but if it's in the other stores, they find it <laughs> really quickly. Uh, even if a pirate put it up there, I think that's somebody else's point later on. Sorry, spoilers. Um, but my other thing was, uh, yeah, if you're going to do give away anything, a free bonus or anything, you got to write something exclusive for that. So this makes it, you basically cannot do the perma-free book one unless you're going to choose to have that book not be in Kindle Unlimited and it's wide. And that's kind of problem. Like I've mentioned before, I've done this and you want to make sure it's a pretty good standalone book. Otherwise you're going to have all the readers in the other stores like, Hey, where's the rest of the series? And they look, they like, Oh, Hey, Amazon has it. What the heck is going on? So that's a pain. Yeah. I think that one of the things that uh, you talk about not being able to give away books, one of the things that made me most nervous about having anything in KU for a while was that I would just overlook one of their rules, like just be unaware that something I did was inappropriate and then they would drop the hammer on me. So it's, it's not for the faint hearted. You have to be aware of the limitations, which is part of what this episode's about. So, uh, disadvantages that I found is, uh, you have a pretty rigid price range at which you're going to be making your, well, it's a perfectly rigid price range between $2.99 and $9.99 are the only times you get the 70% royalty. So it makes certain lengths of book really difficult to be profitable on. Like you usually don't want to sell a novella uh, because if, unless you can, uh, you know, charge $2.99 for it, it's going to make you know, fractions, a $2.98 book makes half as much as a $2.99 book because that's just how it's structured. Um, likewise, if you have a very, very long book that makes sense to charge more than $10 for, you can't charge, well, charging more than $10 for it will make it cost, make, you'll have to charge $20 for it in order to make as much as you were making off of 10. So the prices, if you have a, if your prices aren't friendly with the ones they like, then uh, you're sort of out of luck if you're selling on Amazon. But again, somewhat mitigated by the fact that KU lets you make money off of those things. Uh, you also need to be very mindful of any shenanigans involving your books being published elsewhere. This is what Lindsay was talking about. Uh, if somebody pirates your book and puts it up for sale on another bookstore uh, and Amazon finds out, and they will find out, you've got something like 72 hours to get it delisted, which can be impossible uh, because you're not the one who listed it. So, And then you know, if, if, uh, if you fail, then you get banned and you might not be able to come back. So that's scary. It's not terribly likely to happen, but it's happened on plenty of occasions. So it's a thing to be mindful of. Uh, also, KU is a minimum time commitment. Uh, you can only opt, you opt in in 30 day, no, is it uh, 90 day chunks? So uh, if you are planning on potentially doing something in the future uh, that requires you to not be in KU, you've got to plan that adequately. And if you miss it by a day, then you're in there for another you know quarter. So uh, that's a, a concern you might have 
even if you, you know, even if you were aware of it, sometimes you can sort of lose track and end up spending an extra few months in KU because you missed your, your, your unsubscribe date. And also, uh, KU tends to attract scammers. Uh, we, it used to be a gigantic haven for scammers and then Amazon started to really crack down on them, which sounds great, except no scam sweeping protocol is going to be 100% accurate, which means not only are you competing with scammers when there are scammers, but you're also running the risk of being swept up in the same net as scammers when they, when they do a new sweep. So, uh, KU can be a little bit hazardous because of scammers and that those hazards are much less painful, uh, when you're wide. Yes, I've numerous times now had it where a pirate put my book up on Apple or something. And if you're wide, your book's already there because you put your book everywhere. But if it's only on Amazon, pirates are like, oh, hey, I better could make money selling this over on Kobo or Apple. And they do. And by the time you get it taken down, it's sold copies. You didn't get that money. You got the nasty gram and the threat from Amazon. I've been fortunate. Like a shout out to Dan Wood from Drafted Digital. He was somebody that was able to like had a contact at Apple and got my one of my pirated things taken down. So it's tough though if you don't have a rep at the store or anybody you can reach out to. Just going through the contact customer support thing uh, can be kind of scary. Uh, okay, Andrew, did you have any thoughts before we move on to the next one? I have so many thoughts. Oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> okay, what I was actually going to talk about was the. I mean. Is it's going along with the minimum time commitment, but there's also a, um, and I don't think any of us mentioned this Amazon, the perma free or sorry, the countdown deals. You have to have been in KU for like two weeks or something like that. What is it? There's like a, there's like a requirement. So it's not only just you're signing up for 90, 90 minutes, 30 days, 90 days, 90 days, not 90 minutes. Um, you're not just signing up for 90 days, but you can't take advantage of the, those, um, the promotional opportunities when you first sign up, you actually have to have been in there for a little bit. And then, um, that's just for the Kindle countdown deal. I know that for the prime, the free days, you're like allowed to do those quite quickly, but yeah. So it's, they're like, they like to be controlling and extra controlling on top of controlling. <laughs> it can be tough if you are fortunate enough to get like a book bub and they just pick the day and then you look in there and if you like, it's on right around your resubscribe thing, you can't schedule your countdown deal. Usually you can make it work out. Hopefully book bub will give you a different today or Amazon or something, but yeah, that, that can be a pain. Okay. We're going to move on to advantages of going wide. So obviously these are going to be just some of the opposite things we already said, but you're not reliant on Amazon. You know, hopefully once you start selling, you've got income coming in from several different sources. You can make any of your books free indefinitely. Uh, some of the stores you have to do the work around, like we talked about, you may have to be free in the other stores in order for Amazon to price match it. I think Apple, Google Play, Kobo, most of the other people now, um, I don't know if it's Barnes and Nobles. If you can't get in, you can get in through the distributor. No, I think you can make it free. I'm right. Right now you can make it free on Barnes and Noble. They'll let you. Um, and also when you're wide, there's kind of like a chance of getting a lucky break and taking off in one store, even when you didn't in the others. And I feel like Joe's had this happen with his steampunk series that you just, for whatever reason, they're like, Oh, Hey, cool book. And they promote it. And suddenly you can have like a good payday at that one store, even if you weren't necessarily selling that many at Amazon or in the other stores. So it's sort of like more chances for discovery in more different stores. So, yeah. Yeah. 
there was definitely uh, on, on two different occasions, once with my sci-fi and once with the, the steampunk, just a storefront that was not Amazon ended up pushing it really hard. Uh, Apple's done it with the steampunk and it was fantastic. So yeah, it's, it's nice having those uh, additional opportunities. Yeah, I was going to say my uh, Lindsay's comment, dogs snorting. <laughs> That's really funny. Sorry, totally. If there was that. any background snorting you heard, it wasn't me. There's <laughs> dogs in the room. <laughs> I don't know, Lindsay. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, yeah, I was going to say, I the reason I got a merchandiser through Kobo was because I had a BookBub promotion and she saw I was not on Kobo yet. And she reached out to me and she's like, hey, I'd like to help you get your books on Kobo. And then, like I said, Kobo ended up making me as much money as Amazon during for like, it was probably a year or two and it, was, it went really well. I, I mean, they, they featured me and they really made it worth it to me to be there. And so that's advantages of going wide and, and it, you get a chance of, you know, lucky break or whatever. Okay. So, um, my points, and this kind of extra ties into what I was just saying, but the other retailers are far more likely to work with you. I mean, if you're in Kindle Unlimited, the other retailers are not likely at all to work with you. So my statement there is kind of obvious. So if you're wide, they're going to be more likely to work with you. Well, duh. <laughs> Meaning you can actually reach a real person who isn't going to give you a random unrelated copy and paste response. I think everybody hates that about Amazon. You email five times, you get five different answers and one of them is going to be a yes and the rest are going to be a no or vice versa. And it's going to like screw up your life for like three days. But I mean, that does not happen with other retailers. They're much more personal. They're more approachable. They actually like people. Um, not saying Amazon doesn't, <laughs> but, um, and then next, because you'll be working with other people, not understanding the algorithms, algorithms isn't going to stop your success because they don't use algorithms. I mean, some of them, I know iTunes uses a little bit of algorithms, but I don't know. Okay. And then BookBub. Seriously. Okay. Right there. I already, I mentioned that as a disadvantage. That's a, that's a huge advantage to me, um, being accepted by BookBub. Um, and then advantages of going wide, they wide, they favor a slower release schedule. So other retailers like slow builds when it comes to releases and marketing, it takes time to gain traction. So like when I was working with the midnight chronicles, um, my merchandiser had never heard the word rapid release ever. Like those words, he'd never heard of the, heard of that term rapid release. He'd never heard of, um, there's one other one. And I was like, I want to see what will happen if I rapid release my series wide. And he's like, what's rapid release. <laughs> and I'm like, Oh, that is an Amazon thing. Um, not a lot of people know that, but my, my merchandisers, he's like, well, you can try that, but I've not really seen it work. And so he's like, what usually happens with new series is it takes readers, um, more time to, to fall in love with a new series. And so if you're only able to release like three times a year, that's actually going to be to your advantage when you go wide. Yeah. One thing that we didn't mention as also the pre-orders kind of going off of your, uh, release schedule thing, like you can, the slow build, you can actually, if you do a pre-order for nine months or a year on most of the other stores, it seems to count everything and really give you a big boost on release day. Whereas on Amazon, it seems you get the orders and the sales ranking seems to be affected as the orders come in. I, I've heard people argue other than that, but I, I still believe that that's them getting a whole bunch of KU borrows on the release day, not anything that had to do with pre-order sales. I think that is all I have on there. Pass it on to Joe. 
Uh, I'm going to say with the uh, algorithm thing, I think probably every storefront uses algorithms to some degree, but it's absolutely true that there's just a whole lot more manual curation going on on the other storefronts. And like we mentioned earlier about winning a lottery ticket with another uh, storefront. It's usually because of a manual uh, curator. They just tend to have a lot more influence on the other stores. Um, all right, so different storefronts are, di are differently tolerant to price points and lengths of books and types of books. So uh, if you're, you know, if you're writing something that sells poorly on Amazon due to either a high price or a saturated market or something like that, it might sell better on Kobo and and Apple and such. I tend to see some pretty big swings in the different. I write in three different uh, uh, genres. I tend to see some pretty big swings in in what books sell better on what platforms. Uh, also, some folks really don't like Amazon and will never buy from them. And it's probably a pretty small market, but it's a market that is inaccessible at Amazon. So just sort of be mindful of that. Um, Amazon also isn't as dominant in international markets, let's say non-US markets, as it is in the US. So if your book deals or appeals specifically with or to a region that isn't really dominated by Amazon yet, you will be much more likely to make money there via, say, Kobo or Apple or Google. Uh, also, in my uh, in my observations, sales spikes and drops tend to be a lot flatter on other storefronts. So promos might not hit as hard, and they might not go as high, but they tend to just you know rev up a little slower and then decay a little slower. So you can have a, a, a much more reliable uh, long tail as a result. And uh, lower sales volume at these other places, uh, combined with a smaller overall number of titles. Remember, any book that's exclusive to Amazon is not competing with your book wide. Uh, those two things combined to mean that any individual sale tends to affect your rank a lot more. So it's easier to hit the bestseller list with a smaller number of sales on other uh, on other places. And speaking of bestseller lists, uh, you basically have to be wide in order to hit the New York Times or USA Today bestseller lists. Uh, for a long time, you absolutely had to. I don't know if they've changed the rules since then. But if it's something you're interested in doing, you're basically going to have to be wide. You're going to have to be in Amazon and at least one other store. So you have to do that. Yeah, I haven't tried to hit a list for a long time, but um, it, it's probably still the same. You need at least two stores reporting for them to consider you. They won't take Amazon only, the sales there. Uh, I was going to comment too on Andrew had mentioned um, that you can kind of get reps that will give you favorable merchandising stuff on the other stores that happens on Amazon too. If you, I don't know what the cutoff is Like you sell well, eventually somebody reaches out to you and you've got a rep and they'll kind of uh, offer you stuff or you can email them if you have a problem, which is great, but it does require like, I've, I'm pretty sure it's based on how much you make rather than the other retailers. If you met them at a conference, you know, you've signed up for a list, you're now you're in with them. So it's, it's not like, you know, they're willing to help everybody. It seems like. All right. For the next category, disadvantages slash challenges of going wide. So, and this is kind of what this first one here is what drove me to it. I was like, I was not like going into the bosom of exclusivity and really wanting to be in that situation, but it's just more difficult to compete on Amazon, uh, especially in some genres where you'll see the KU books dominate the top 100s, uh, you know, and Amazon is by far the largest retailer out there. So there's a huge monetary difference between doing really well on Amazon and not doing well on Amazon. Uh, whereas on the other stores are much smaller. So even if you do really well in them, it's not going to be the same as somebody doing really well on Amazon. Um, and 
you know, it can be like I talked about before, a little harder to make advertising work on Amazon because all sales, you need the sales. So you have to price high enough to make it work or you have to have a long enough series. I've mentioned before that I tend to find it easier to make the advertising work without having to rely so much on the whole series, uh, sell through and all that, uh, with the KU books. And then, like I said, most of the stores are because they are smaller. Even if you do do well, you know, get a good promo in your genre, the money might not be as noticeable as on Amazon. And this is going to depend on, like in my case, when I chose to go from wide to start launching some series in uh, KU, I was, um, Amazon was about 75, 80% of my income already. When I was wide, I'd been wide for years. It's just that I, made that much more on Amazon. I mean, I was doing fine. I've talked about before how I, I liked it when I got to the point where even if you took my Amazon income away, I'd still be making a really comfortable living just from the other stores. But there's a potential is just more there so that if you're doing pretty well there already and it's already your dominant store, that's when it's like, uh, you know, you might have to think about it if you are at all so inclined. Um, some people just don't want to do it and that's absolutely fine. It's just uh, you have to, everybody has to decide what's right for them. Uh, do you guys have any thoughts? Uh, I'll definitely say that the uh, making a advertising work uh, when you're not Amazon exclusive is one of the reasons that I've sort of been stunted in my Amazon advertising because I don't have very many exclusives at all. Uh, so it's not only, you know, has prevented me from succeeding in Amazon advertising to an enormous degree, but it's sort of prevented me from getting an aptitude for Amazon advertising because it's been sort of de-emphasized as a tactic for me. And I would have to say, I don't, I can't see that any of us are actually mentioning this, but it is more difficult to compete on Amazon. Like, like Lindsay said, it's also discouraging because if you're wide and you see all those Kindle limited books doing really well, that, that can be very demotivating and discouraging. And so it's also discouraging when you're in Kindle limited and you see other Kindle limited books doing well, but when you're not in Kindle limited and you have reasons for not doing that, I don't know, hatred for Amazon tends to happen. <laughs> um, Okay. So my points, it takes a lot, a lot longer to gain traction. And this was one of my, it's a good thing because if you're not releasing quickly, you know, then that's good that it takes a little bit more time, but it's also a detriment, obviously. So, and the reason for that is I would say like 95% of authors severely lack patience. They want success and they want it now. Um, a month is agony, let alone two years. And I'm like, calm down, calm down, people. It's like marathon. We have to say this over and over. And I have to remind myself of this over and over. I'm like, you're, of course, you're not making any money. You haven't released anything in a while. Or of course, you're not making money. It takes a long time to gain traction on other retailers. And then next, um, this one's near and dear to my heart because it's very personal. Um, you're dealing with humans, not algorithms. Okay. So like Joe said, there are small algorithms, but you're still dealing with humans and humans have bad days and algorithms are unfazed by emotions or unfazed by human experiences. So meaning once you learn an algorithm, unless they change it, you can usually predict what will happen. But when you are working with people, things happen. I mean, my merchandiser at Kobo went on maternity for a year and things after she left were never, ever, ever the same again. And it was really, really awful. Her replacement would take weeks. I mean, it was five or six weeks from her, my first, my email to her to when she finally responded. And then, and then it was like four weeks every time thereafter and trying to arrange promotions. They're like, the, my, my merchandiser before she went maternally, she's like, don't worry. My replacement's going to continue helping you. You just reach out to her when you have questions. And so I'd reach out to my, her replacement and nothing. And it would be months like in between, like not months, weeks. And it would be like a month in between each email. And so honestly, like my 
everything at Kobo died after that. My success dovetailed, nosedive, bombed, whatever, but everything it did, it went bad after that. And that was really discouraging. I was like, oh, so she was doing a lot of behind the scenes work to get me up that high in the rankings. Yeah, that's a good point about discouragement. I, I think that's kind of half of what led me into it is like I had a launch that I thought, oh, this is totally written to market or as close as I get. This is going to be awesome, you know, on Amazon. And it's like, I mean, it did okay. But it's sort of like I said, most of my stuff would sell to my fans and then just pretty quickly drop down and, and drop out of the charts. And you'd see all those Kindle Unlimited books in the charts. And you're like, man, I got to get sales and they just need to get borrows, which are way easier to get. Uh, all right, Joe, passing it to you. Uh, I, I would also uh, agree with like, sometimes your success at a place is just because someone there is helping you. Like I, I uh, early on had, uh, when the steampunk book was selected, uh, it was selected for one of the books of the year or book of book of the month and then book of the year uh, by a subset of, of Apple. And that Apple rep got me a lot of promos that then she moved to another part of the company and I didn't have her as a rep anymore. And eventually I got a new rep and I was able to return, but it, it a lot of your success can be due, due to personal relationships, which can then just end because of business shifts. Uh, all right. So um, one of the disadvantages is that with, depending on how you go wide, pushing updates to books can be slow and tedious. There are lots of benefits to going direct to all the individual uh, publishers, like, you know, the individual uh, storefronts as opposed to using a distributor. But if you do that, then if a book has an error in it, uh, then you're going to be correcting that in each individual storefront. And that's really painful. Also with multiple storefronts, you need to either list all of the major ones when posting a book, like when you're talking about your book and, and promoting it, or you need to use a multi-link service like books to read. So if you're posting all the individual links, number one, it's a hassle. Number two, it's a wall of links and people are going to have to find the one that they want. If you're using books to read, then it's adding at least one additional click. And that may be small, but each new click in a line that's necessary to get to the sales page is a chance to lose somebody. So it's small but noticeable when you have to increase the uh, complexity of the purchasing process with multiple storefronts. Also, if you're hoping to get to all stores, you're going to be juggling promotions. Sorry, if you're, if you're hoping to ride high at all stores, you're going to be juggling promotions for more than one storefront at a time. So this means either you're spending more money on on uh, on promos and therefore just, you know, hitting the point of, uh, of break-even is harder, or uh, you're spreading your money, your promo money between the different stores, in which case you're going to have a lower impact at each one. So yeah, it just, life is always more complex when you have more places to, to promote and, uh, and update. Right. I think that's why people talk about Amazon advertising so much and focus on that, because I think a lot of people focus most of their advertising money on that, because that is the store that could potentially make you the most. And if you're spreading it thin, you're going to see less effect there. Um, but, you know, and I've heard people say, but hey, you can do BookBub links to like Apple Australia and all these different things. And I've tried this and I'm like, eh. you know, it's just a little iffy with the pay-per-click stuff. I don't know. You just end up paying a lot to get a download of a free book one. Um, do you have any th thoughts on that, Andrea, before we slip into the hybrid approach? <laughs> Yeah. Um, I would say that the guilt to upload direct is real people. <laughs> people are like, you're missing so much money if you are not uploading direct to every store. And people like me who panic when you give them something extra to do that, that's a huge issue. And so 
like just as a piece of advice for people listening, if your life is like panic, like mine, don't upload direct. If you want to be wide still like use one of the retail or one of the distributors, there is nothing wrong with giving up a little bit of money for a little bit of time. <laughs> don't feel guilt. <laughs> Well, and it's true too. I will fully admit I have books out there where the errors have been fixed on Amazon, like the typos, and they haven't been on the other stores. I'm like, oh, I got to go upload it everywhere. So that's just it. The bigger your catalog gets, the more of a pain in the butt it just becomes to keep up with everything. All right. So we'll go into kind of the hybrid approach, uh, talking about like having part of your catalog in Amazon exclusivity in KU and part out and both the advantages and disadvantages. So I've talked about this already, but you know, the advantage is that you're not entirely reliant on Amazon, but you can get some of the benefits of both systems. Like by me putting my series in there for the first year or two, I get all the benefits of KU. And by the time things, I take things out, I've got other things that are kind of, I'm focused on, I'm, I'm spending my advertising money on. I tend to not spend a lot on my backlist. Every now and then I try, you know, and I usually like, eh, not worth, not worth it. I get more, I get so much, a lot of free reads of my back, purchases of my backlist stuff from people who read the front list. That's really the best and the cheapest advertising for the backlist. They go back and check out the other things. So, uh, you know, but I'm not completely reliant on Amazon because of that. So I do like that disadvantage is that you tend to irk readers both ways. <laughs> you have people who want to know why your latest books are not in their store. And then on the other hand, you have people who want to know why X series isn't in KU. I will say I get a lot more of the former than the latter. As long as a whole series is in KU and isn't split in half, like half in and half out, the KU people usually aren't annoyed. Although I have not yet released a new series that's not going into KU. So I imagine if I did that, I would get some irk people. But um, yeah, and then Andrea had mentioned earlier where, and I've had this happen too, where they read it in KU and then they tell you like, Hey, I really liked it. So I bought it too. So you actually get paid twice. And I think by not keeping your books indefinitely in KU, you encourage that because if they liked it and they want to own the series, they have to buy it after it's out of KU. All right. Do you guys have some more to add or thoughts on that or both? <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll just agree with that so far. And I would say that you're never going to make everyone happy once you start dealing with more than one retailer. Like I had my books in Amazon and I had, before I'd even tried out Kindle Unlimited and I had readers being like, Hey, if you put your books in Kindle Unlimited, <laughs> so like you're never going to, never going to make everybody happy. So just, you know, just on that with the irking readers and just, just recognize that you're going to always be frustrated if you're a people pleaser. <laughs> um, okay. So for me, I love being half in and half out. And then here's why, because my current model has all of my novels in Kindle limited and all of my shorter works are wide and free. So readers and other retailers are still getting my stuff. Um, and I know I've had a lot of them follow me to Kindle Unlimited and, or just Amazon in general, or they're getting it and for free. So it's not like they don't feel like they're being gouged. Right. And people on Amazon are still getting my stuff for free because they're in Kindle Unlimited or because it's price matched. Um, and then the next thing, if someone wants to read one of my books that is in Kindle Unlimited, I can direct them to something that isn't in Kindle Unlimited. Um, I don't remember where I was going with that. Does that make any sense to you guys? <laughs> No, I'm over here typing in the chat about if we need to end the episode soon. So you're yeah. just going to have to make that work. Good. Okay. So, and then also you're, and then hopefully our readers will know what I was talking, our listeners will know what I'm talking about. Okay. Then you're taking advantage of Kindle Unlimited's magic sauce while still building your readership wide. So I do love a hybrid approach. Um, yeah, I, 
I agree also. And I guess with the, you know, directing somebody to KU uh, when they, yeah, if somebody wants something in KU, you can direct them to something that's not in KU. It's just sort of a, you know, a, a bridging approach. Uh, and so I can, I can understand what you were going for there as a way to, to mitigate the disadvantage. Um, so I'll, I'll just move quick into mine and so we can wrap up. Uh, hybrid approach gives you a second chance at a launch if you start in KU and move it to Y. So uh, because it changes the circumstances of your book, uh, you might irritate or confuse people around it. Um, so like that second launch might become a confusing thing for people for particularly if, and this happens a lot, you end up uh, having uh, people who didn't find out that it was in KU until you announced that it was going wide and then they go to KU to get it and discover that it's not there. So that can be confusing. And similarly, uh, if you're using a hybrid approach of any kind, where you have some books in KU and some that aren't, uh, you can produce two non-overlapping audiences, which can get difficult to communicate with and can cause confusion because you have to communicate to the, okay, well, no, this isn't for you. This, this is the new release. So people wide, uh, you know, pick it up in, in the Patreon or, uh, you know, it just, it can cause, uh, all sorts of shenanigans to occur. So that's, that's a, a danger you run with a hybrid approach. It is true. You get people on your newsletter who signed up from wide books. And then the next six newsletters you send out are like, Hey, book one, book two, book three, look, this series all is only for Amazon, all only for KU people. So I would actually say hybrid, my opinion, even though I do it, I would say probably don't do it. <laughs> like, I don't know. Like it just, if you pick your road, it's better within my case, because I was wide for six years and I had all my stuff wide. I didn't want to just like, rip everything out of there. Like I had built up fan bases on all the other sites. So it's, I'm doing it for the money. Let's be honest <laughs> because it's better money, more fans, more readers. Um, but it's not like I, in an ideal situation, I wouldn't do it. I would just be wide with everything. And I would love to be in still in Kindle Unlimited. It's, uh, the fact that they require exclusivity is what makes it difficult. If you could just be in the subscription program and be wide, obviously that would be kind of the best of both situations. All right. I think we are going to save the last two. Um, we have a couple more to talk about, like who Kindle, Kindle Unlimited might be best for, who wide might be best for. But because we do have something else scheduled tonight, we are going to cut it there. And we're going to do a part two that will start out with those two things. And we're also going to hop into the Facebook group after this show comes out. And we'll ask you if you have any questions related to wide or exclusive with Amazon. So we'll do kind of a hit those two things and then just answer your questions in a part two. That'll be coming in a couple of weeks because we've got a couple interviews lined up. Andrea has to go to Hawaii. <laughs> so uh, you have time to think of your question in a couple of weeks. Uh, do you guys have any final thoughts before we go? Hawaii is going to be so great. <laughs> I, I think we covered it. I haven't left my state in over a year, so I just will imagine you there in Hawaii. All right. Thanks for listening, everyone. Thank you to Joshua Pearson for producing the show. If you have questions about KU versus wide and you're, you know, listening to this in early March, 2021, uh, come on over to the six figure authors, Facebook group, and you can ask them there, or we will just be plucking some out of there and you can enjoy it on the podcast. No stress. You can find the show notes or leave a comment or question at sixfigureauthors.com with the number six. That is it from us. Have a great week. Bye everyone. So long everybody.